Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Guys by Celtic Down Under. I'm your host John and today I'm joined by Jeremy from Miami, Florida. How are you doing Jeremy? Doing well, how is everyone out there? Yeah, good. We're just uh, speaking off pod about how bad COVID is in Sydney just now and yeah, not enjoying the, the lockdown but it was nice to watch Celtic last night even though it was finishing at 2am here. Man, yeah. We have the opposite problem. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, so you must you must get all these games at a reasonable time, I imagine, with the time. Well, if seven a.m. is reasonable. All oh, right. <laughs> well, yeah, seven a.m. still. I'd be in my bed then. Let's be honest. Yeah, sure. <laughs> if it wasn't a work week. Yeah. Um, just a little bit of news, um, which came out this morning for Australia or the evening, wherever you are. Um. Celtic has rejected a bid for 12 million plus 3 million in add-ons for Aya uh, from Brentford. Celtic apparently want 20 million and are holding out for that. Um, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. For someone who's got one year left on their contract, I think 20 million is just dreaming territory. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that, Jeremy. Well, um, for Aya in particular, like he... I feel like, you know, he's been fairly consistent for us playing out of his natural position, you know, keeping him for a season and losing out on 12 million. Yeah, that's terrible. But will that be the end of things for us next season? Probably not. You know, I feel like keeping him around for this next season, whether and we not make any wages for or any transfer fee for him may in the long run be advantageous for Celtic yeah yeah I I think I think I think what they're doing is they're doing I mean Sean on the regular pod pointed this out about high risk business strategy I think what they're trying to do Celtic board I mean is they're trying to um, hold out um, keeping their big players like Ayer and Edward to see if we can qualify for the Champions League yeah and then we can start selling players I think that's what they're doing absolutely Um, and I think that's I think that's such a ridiculously high risk strategy um, and in Aya's case, I feel quite bad for him because he's done, he's not done as, um, like he's not done as out of anything. He was promised to be sold if he stayed on for one more year to try and secure the 10. That didn't happen, but that's got nothing to do with him personally, right? Absolutely. It was just a shambles through and through. So he, we, we need to accept, we need to accept that he's going to move on. And I think uh, 12 million, I'd shake Brentford's hand quite strongly at that. Especially with, I mean, it's up nearly up to fifteen million. I think that's, sure. I think that's a fantastic offer. Um, so yeah, uh, let's just see how that develops. I also hear that because we're waiting to see what the um, IA situation is, we have stopped negotiations with Carl, Carl Starfelt, which was the centre back that was supposed to be replacing IA. Um, so yeah, I let's just see how that progresses. But it's not looking positive on the transfer front anyway. Um, cool. Well, we'll just crack into the old formula. Um, so first question, Jeremy, uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from? Sure. Um, I'm 45, uh, originally lived, grew up in Maryland, uh, just out the outside Washington DC area. I moved to Florida probably about 30 years ago now. Um, I presently live in Miami, uh, having lived here or having moved here about two years ago. Um, and so far Miami's great. Uh, it's everything. All the stories you hear are true. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, um, I, my family went and visited Miami a few years ago, and they <laughs> my cousin came back and was in love with the place. Yeah, it's great. Thinks, uh, thinks it's brilliant. Yeah, I never saw myself living in Miami. I've like I said, I've been in Florida for years. Never saw myself living in Miami. I got a job opportunity down here, and uh, since I've gotten down here, I love it. It's great. Yeah, um, and it's. Um, it's uh, like we were saying before as well um, off air, it's very multicultural. So you have absolutely um, lots of different nationalities and or, or ethnicities that are interacting with each other, which is, I mean, that's what everybody wants, right? Or at least most people want that sort of, you know, difference and stuff. Yep. Yeah. That, that's, that's awesome. Um, what is it you do for work? Um, I do audio video and lighting installations for uh, various different like, Sporting stadiums, churches, live music venues, etc. Awesome, yeah. very cool. So, do you do you um you might do do lots of football stadiums or soccer stadiums? I do a handful here and That's there. Do you do regularly, of, or is it more like it's a lot of like basketball, uh, some American football stadiums, um, a lot of uh, done a couple different baseball yeah. stadiums, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, because um, surely soccer must be down the list on preferred well, sports <laughs> in mean, the States. It, it is and it isn't. I mean, the soccer, a lot, the one thing with like the soccer and football stadiums in the United States, a lot more of them are going to soccer and football specific. So they don't like, instead of multi sport arenas. Mm-hmm. So there are like, it, there are the opportunities to work in those areas. It's just like, you know, and that, and in fact, there's more teams are doing that in the United States. So there is a lot of opportunity to work in those, in those venues. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and that's good to hear. I mean, we'll talk about, um, soccer in America, uh, shortly. Um, oh, well, uh, let's just crack into the next question because that probably links in quite well. So, um, what's the soccer culture like in Miami? Well, in Miami, actually, the the soccer and football culture in Miami is is quite prevalent. Um, there's a lot of supporters here, though most people here support like Latin teams. Uh, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, River Plate, Boca Juniors. You know, they have tons of followers in Miami. Um, you know, and even with the MLS team here in town, well, they're not in town, but anyway, uh, my inner Miami FC, if they can get funding from the city to open up a stadium in downtown Miami, that club is just going to explode right now. They're playing in, uh, Fort Lauderdale, mm-hmm. which is about 17 miles North of Miami. Kind of, um, still pretty big city in, in its own right, but, and they do get a lot of people traveling up for those, those matches. But, I feel like, you know, if if the Becks can uh, finagle the city council to get a stadium <laughs> downtown, Inter-Miami is just going to explode. But Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that's, know, I, that's a positive, right? Yeah, it is. I, I mean, personally, I have like mixed feelings about it because, you know, it's not like David Beckham doesn't have enough money to – fund a stadium i'm not necessarily 100 percent certain that the taxpayers of miami-dade county need to be paying for it but at the same time you know there needs to be some give and take on both sides you know so if they you know if they really want the team to yeah catch absolutely. on it's they're gonna have to 
you know, there's going to have to be a give and take. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, no, I don't think David Beckham needs any more money. <laughs> for sure. Boosts, but <laughs> um, yeah, do I don't know if you get to watch or you or you're interested in watching Inter Miami, but um, the ex Celt um, Lewis Morgan still plays for them, or he's playing for them. He's seems he's on a tear well, for yeah. them right now too. Yeah, yeah. It, it, um, I mean. I, I, I don't know why. But me personally, I thought we had um, I thought we had a, a winner with Morgan. Uh, absolutely, I I think we just had too many wingers at the time. I, yeah, exactly, and that's the only thing that I can put it. That's the only explanation I can give for it because uh, with how he's playing in Inter Miami and how some of the wingers and and you know the injuries we've had at that position, you know, letting him go was pretty much pretty bad idea. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Right now, if if Morgan was still at Celtic, he'd be our preferred winger right now. I would he'd be so. playing Absolutely. in front of Johnson every day of the week. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, it, I'm I'm glad he's moved over there and stuff. And I mean, to go from St. Mirren to Celtic, sort of on and off, to then go to into Miami and really a big well not a big team but a new team that's going places. That's that's a positive for it. And yeah, you know, he seems um, to be doing quite well. Right. Well. Um, you know, he seems to like the area and yeah, they're paying yeah, him well. Exactly. So, you know, more power to him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, why wouldn't you love the tropical, hot Miami? Yeah, exactly. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Especially if you're from cold, rainy Glasgow. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like, of course, you'd love that. Yeah. Um, okay. So next question. Um you, we sort of discussed this again um, just before jumping on, but how did you become a Celtic fan? Well, like when I was younger, early 90s and such, when I was playing football, soccer and such, um, you know, I, like I was playing, I was interested, I was following all the clubs in Europe and all over. And, you know, all the kids were like, you know, all wearing Barcelona and Real Madrid and Manchester United kits and so on and so forth. And like, you know, I – my family is Scots Irish. Um, I guess we're third generation American. Uh, my great grand, my great great grandfather and great great grandmothers and everything. They all came over from Scotland and Ireland. Um, they all met here in the states, and you know, I, I was looking for a club that kind of spoke to my background, and you know, naturally, Celtic is is mm. that club. Um, you know. Uh, around 90, you know, like once around 94 when, you know, the internet and everything became more accessible to everyone and I was able to follow Celtic more regularly. That's when I jumped in both feet and became a huge Celtic supporter. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Um, I think it's really interesting that you just wanted to follow a team and you followed the, the heritage routes that you have, um, back to Celtic. Is, is, do you know if your family from um, from Scotland is from the west coast of Scotland or Glasgow, or they um, are, was it just like, a case of that? Made- no, they're uh, my on my mother's side. My great great grandfather was from Glasgow, um, and then mm-hmm. um, it, he basically came over from Ireland to Glasgow. Was in Glasgow and then went to the United States. Um, for my on my father's side, it's mostly Irish. Um, and then, yeah. So, 
Yeah, it always is. It's exactly the same as my family. Right. We're always, we're either from, you know, the northeast um, or northwest of Ireland or from the west coast of Scotland. That's it. There's nothing else. Yep. There's no other flavors, no other, you know, <laughs> nice. It's just that one little pocket yep. for as long as you can trace your family tree. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's it's really interesting to hear that, you know, um, we've, like I was saying, there's lot, we've had lots of Celtic fans um, talking about where they're from and they've been watching a particular uh, match. And they're like, I watched Barcelona, um, Celtic beat Barcelona 2-1. That day I became a Celtic fan. Um, but for someone who just was like, here's my heritage, I want to follow a soccer team, a football team. I'm going to go and, you know, do a bit of research and I've picked Celtic. That's a very unique thing. I think, I don't think a lot of people do that to be honest. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you, you were just saying about how like in your area of Miami, a lot of uh, the uh, people around you follow Real Madrid and Barcelona and other teams as well. Do you follow any other teams apart from Celtic? Any other soccer teams? Or I just Celtic. I do not. None of which near to the extent that I follow Celtic. But like I have like a, a large group of friends of mine that are here in in the states. They recently, well, recently within like the last five to ten years or so, they all moved over from Hamburg in Germany, and so. You know, when they found out that I was a Celtic supporter, mm-hmm. they all went nuts. They were they thought that was the greatest thing in the world because they're all FC St. Pauli fan, uh, FC St. Pauli supporters, and so <laughs> I keep I keep tabs on yeah. them. And then, yeah, uh, awesome, yeah. <laughs> another friend of mine, uh, this guy Andy, I know from Wales. He's a huge uh, Newport County AFC supporter, so I keep my tabs on them. And then, as far as like in the MLS here. I uh, I tend to follow Orlando City, which is a little difficult living in Miami, being that that's the closest rival to enter Miami. But um, <laughs> when I was living up in northern Florida, I was going to Orlando City games back when they were in the USL Pro, which is like a third tier American division. And, you know, I just appreciate the way Orlando City actually worked their way up to join the MLS, um, you know, like most of the teams in the MLS are just guarded. Yeah. Orlando city worked their way, way through the ranks and actually, you know, made themselves an MLS club. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's good to hear that. How's, um, what's, what's your opinion of the MLS? Do you think it's, do you think it is going to go places or do you think it's going to stay uh, around about where it is now I, in this sort of like my personal rich leagues, but where players from Europe go to end? I think the way that the league is set up presently, there's not a r- lot of room for them to, you know, become the preeminent football league out there. They are going to be the retirement league for the foreseeable future because that that's just the model that they have. It's, you know, that each team has like four, uh, what they call DP designated players. And those players are not considered in the salary cap. They can pay them what they need or, you know, what the players demand. And then, you know, the rest of the players are underneath a certain like a salary cap that they can't go over without being fined for it. And I think that as long as they keep that payment structure in place, I don't see the MLS becoming anything more than a retirement league. That's not to say that it's not an exciting league. There there is a lot of excitement there and, and and the supporters in the MLS are great but the product on the field isn't going to improve unless they can compete for 
players that the European teams are competing for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Do you ever think it could get, um, I don't want to say it's competitive, but as um, uh, the the most beloved as the South American um, leagues are, I'm thinking like Boca Juniors and River Plate and stuff. Um, you get I mean, to those sort of levels. I think in certain point. cities, absolutely. But overall, I doubt it. Because American fans are too – like American sports fans yeah. are spread way too thin. And, you know, in, in order to have that kind of fandom and, and followership that like the River Plates and the Boca Juniors and, you know, the, even the teams in Mexico have – like you're, they, the MLS teams are up against way too much competition with the, you know, with American football, with basketball, you know, and to lesser extents, baseball and hockey. But, you know, like, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's going to, in order to like win over fans the way they are in South America, I feel like, you know, they would need to be getting better and more and better quality players into the MLS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, like, I think um, at least from the perspective of people who you know grew up with European football, we definitely see it as um, in the same way that we probably see the Chinese Super League, right? Sure. That's where people Absolutely. go to make a bit of money before the end of their like a swan song sort of career. Um, but you know, we we are seeing um, some really good American talent coming out. Um, of the MLS. I mean, like yeah. I, uh, lots from lots of different teams, but the one that we can think of recently is um, Timo Weah, right? Absolutely. Who played for Celtic. Yeah. Fantastic player. And I, I think, um, obviously he was a PSG player, but he's away to somebody. I think it might be a Sierra, a Sierra team. I forget what it is, but yeah. he, I mean, he's doing well, right? So he's, he's progressing yeah. well. So we do, we do see these Amer- American talent, talented players coming out of that system. So, and I mean, that's, the yeah, thing. maybe that's just what we'll see. And the, I think that, you know, like a lot of with American players, a lot of, I think what's been holding, like the talent is in the United States. Like there are talented players here. It's just like, there's the pay to play type structure for a lot of youth football in the United States keeps a lot of, players that would be great at the sport out of the ability, like keeps them from being able to play the sport. You know, like if you, like if you're a really great athlete and you know, you have to pay to join a club and then pay for all your own equipment and so on and so forth to play soccer, or you can just go join a rec league and play basketball. The chances are you're going to go play Mm. basketball because you don't, you know, the, the monetarily speaking, the, you know, it, soccer is kind of a hindrance, really. So I think that once yeah. the U.S. Soccer Federation figures out that that's as big a problem as it is, and starts to help these local youth leagues bring people in, you will start to see more Americans make a splash, like the Pulisic's and the, the Weas and etc. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good to hear. I think I think Australia. I mean, Jared would be the person to ask. He follows A League quite religiously, but um, I think the A League in Australia has a very similar salary cap system. Um, that's probably also holding it back. Um, yeah, where you know you can only have certain type of players or certain amount of players that earn above your salary cap and blah blah blah. Yeah, it's not a system I'm used to or understand to be honest. Sure. Um, yes. 
Um, so just looked it up there. Timo Timo Weah plays for Lille, right? Um, so he's still in the league. Earn. Um, which they did. Okay, so we'll. No, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I was I was confused about something for a second, but you're you're right. It, it is Leon. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, um, just crack into the next question. Um, are there many Celtic fans in Miami, Florida? I know there's a couple of CSCs up in like Boston and New York and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, like I'm, I'm friends with a bunch of the guys in, uh, like there's a couple of CSCs in like Georgia throughout the Southeast. Um, there's a lot in Philadelphia, Boston, et cetera. Um, but in Miami there, at one point there was a CSC in Miami. I think it was like from 2000 to 2010. And, um, but I haven't really like, since I've moved here two years ago, I've like reached out and tried to find a a Celtic supporter club here in South Florida, whether it's Miami, Fort Lauderdale, wherever. And, uh, I haven't been able to find anybody, anyone. So if anybody has any leads, let me know. But, uh, generally speaking, no, there aren't really a lot of Celtic supporters in, South Florida and Miami area. Everybody, anytime I'm out and I'm wearing my Celtic kit, everybody recognizes it. Everybody knows who it is, but there aren't a lot of supporters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I don't really um, fully fully know the history immigration roots of the Irish diaspora when they came to um, America, but I think they all sort of kept, you know, it was either the, it's like Canada or that sort of top corner of the States, right? It's, yeah. It's uh, generally speaking like say. the Irish and Scottish diaspora in the United States came over and landed mostly in like Philadelphia and Boston and Baltimore were like three major yeah. areas where they, they, they moved to. And then largely speaking, they kind of stayed there, you know, to a certain extent they mm-hmm. m- migrated westward when the rest of the country did. But for for the most part, you know, you're talking about the Northeast area of the United States. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes, and that makes a lot of sense that there's still some CSCs over there. All right. Um, so who is your favorite Celtic player of all time? All-time favorite player, uh, for me, would have to be Giorgio Samaras. Um, you know, he was <laughs> hit or miss yeah. on the pitch, you know, like – very much so (laughs) like you know like he wasn't he wasn't always on the top of his game but i felt like when he was there he gave a lot to the club and you know he was a hunt scalper through and through like you know he he showed up for the the glasgow derbies well say the old term for it anymore but uh you know and then you know the whole thing with like wej and everything you know i just as a player, I loved him. I mean, I'd be remiss to not say Larson or Burns or Wyama, Ledley, Lustig, Bruni, because I love all those guys. But, you know, like I I personally have always had a soft spot in my heart for Giorgio Samaras. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like I totally get that. Like he wasn't I'm, – I'm, I'll be honest, right? He wasn't my particularly favorite player. Um, but my my family absolutely adore him, and and I, I accept the fact that he scored some really big goals for us in Europe and yeah. stuff. And he wasn't, and I, and I appreciate him as a as a person. I think he was, a, I think he's a fantastic person, such a kind soul. Um, but for me, the the hot and coldness was just infuriating sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I just uh, uh, the it depended what Samaras turned up on the day. Exactly. I mean, I remember watching um, Celtic did this was years ago actually. This was this was must have been 2012 or 13. But Celtic came to Australia and did like a little 
pre-season tour um and they came to melbourne actually um and i flew out uh from brisbane and i went down and i watched them with my dad my brother and stuff um and i I actually watched samaras get the ball from it was melbourne victory we were playing he managed to get the ball from the melbourne victory box turn around run past the halfway line to our box to get tackled for victory to nearly score. And I just thought that is the most Samaras thing I've ever seen anyone ever do. (laughs) Nobody else would have done that. But yeah, obviously he, uh, you know, um, scored some huge goals for us and stuff. And yeah, he he was, he was never a bad player. He was just depends on the, the the day depended on which Samaras you got. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, good, um, great player. Do you have, do you have maybe, uh, do you have a, a, a favorite player from, like the recent era, the modern era? I mean, from the most recent era, like, like, you know, obviously I'm not a big fan of how he left, but but Scott Brown to me was the consummate captain while he was there. You know, the fact it it turns my stomach to see him wearing an Aberdeen kit, but you know, I understand, I understand the weird, so weird. It is weird. I understand though, because I mean, you know, Celtic had been in talks with him about you know becoming a player coach, and with the turnover there, there was no consistency whatsoever. And you know, with with Aberdeen, he's going to get his chance to play. He's going to get his chance to coach. You know, you might as well go to the third best team in Scotland, I guess. You know, <laughs> I can start. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But, we'll probably see Bruni back at Celtic at some point. In some capacity, I would think so, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have a favorite Celtic moment? I do. Uh, it's funny that you asked that because it, it has been mentioned in so far already tonight. But uh, when they when when the boys defeated Barca in the Champions League was it 2012, 2013, everything about that match so to me was perfect. It was exemplary of why I'm a Celtic supporter from the TIFOs to the kits they were wearing to like the determination the team showed throughout that entire match. Everything was perfect. I was literally in tears at the end of that match. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was um, one of the best games. Uh, just a huge triumph for Celtic. Um, my cousins managed to get, to go and watch that live one experience that would have been they would have been a wow. bit younger than yeah no. yeah um just an incredible achievement i actually managed to find a signed picture it was just a, it was just a regular picture of like the big tifo Celtic two Basel one and it got signed by the team um and i gave it to my dad um and my mum is not a celtic fan she supports the other team um, <laughs> but uh yeah so she uh she <laughs> she just outright rejected it wasn't it wasn't going up on any walls it was 100 percent absolutely <laughs> not going up on my dad's office it was straight under the stairs i'm like that cost me a bit like yeah. do, do you want to put it out and hang it up she's like nah it's going straight under the bloody stairs but yeah no nah, it was a, it was a great game yeah the funny huge the, folklore now, the really funny thing about when like the environment that i was in when i watched that match though was that you know i went to what i was living in gainesville florida which is where the university of florida is here in florida um but um i was watching it at a what is the traditional soccer bar in that town and i was it was Mm -hmm. me and one friend of mine who were celtic supporters and there was probably 200 barcelona supporters watching it and let me tell you that's the best match i've ever seen i laughed so hard i cried 
It was great. <laughs> uh, how were the um, were the Barca fans good about it? Were I mean, they shocked I mean, and surprised you know, and pleased for something? I mean, when when, y- when Yama scored, they were completely shell shocked. They had no idea what was going <laughs> what was going on. And then when Watt scored, it was over. Like we were like cracking up, laughing, <laughs> falling out of our chairs. Like, oh man, it was hilarious. You know, and then, you know, Messi scores and they feel a little better about it. But, you know, it didn't hurt them yeah, at yeah. all that season. So, and it meant everything to us. And, nice. you know, everybody was in, everybody was, you know, everybody likes to see the quote unquote underdog win every once in a while. And even Barcelona supporters could respect that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, the ego, <laughs> I always think this, like, the underdog cares about it more than the the big dogs, right? Yep, absolutely. You know, Barca fans were like, "Ah, oh, yeah, fair enough." But Celtic, this like we're talking about, it's a folklore game. It's going to go down in history for forever. I mean, so, uh, yeah, but you know, twenty fifth anniversary. You know, come on, like yeah, exactly. Yeah, couldn't be. Who cares? Like, like couldn't I couldn't be written better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was it was just a fantastic game. Um, I still, well, I'd go on YouTube and I watched the whole game and highlights. Oh yeah, I, I do. Board and there's nothing on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> did quite a bit um, last season as well. <laughs> yeah, Christ. Yeah, we did. Yeah, with lots of different games. Watching um, Champions League highlights of the, the Rats era and stuff like Leipzig and yep. Anderlecht and. Uh, well, I mean, Leipzig wasn't, it was Europa, but yeah, you know, watching all those games back, just being, even the Man City ones where we were drawing, um, yeah, just having to watch them just to get yeah, exactly. <laughs> get those <laughs> memories back and the feeling of being like, oh, we were good ones. <laughs> um, I mean, that links quite well to the, to the next question. Um, so how do you think next season is going to go um, the the Postacoglu, Ange Postacoglu's era? What do you, how do you think it's going to go? Uh, I mean, I think we're going to pump them. I mean, quite literally, they're they are <laughs> overconfident. Um, I think their overconfidence showed in both the cups last season, um, and you know we've had a lot of turnover at Celtic, and I think that the players that are going to be in there are going to be determined to show to make their mark and show that they are the best club in Scotland. So, I I'm confident about next season. Um, as for Ange, I'm, I'm actually happy with the signing. I know a lot of people were bummed out. We didn't get Eddie Howe. I wasn't completely sold on Eddie Howe. I'm not certain that he would have been, I mean, I think he was in a lot of people's minds, the best option out there, but I don't know that he's necessarily the best fit for the club. Um, I watched Ange's interviews when he was coaching the Aussie 18s, as soon as he was named as the coach. And like, that's the kind of manager I want. Somebody who's fiery, who like Mm -hmm. takes responsibility, but doesn't take crap, you know? And like, you know, I also liked his comments after the Sheffield Wednesday match in the Charlton match today. Like he was critical, but gave, you know, gave praise where it was merited. And, you know, I I think that he's, I I think that in time we will come to find that Ange is the, the manager we need at this point in time. He's going to need some help, so. though, from the board. He's going to need help in the scouting department. The guy, he can't do it all himself. Hopefully, you know, with the new uh, new chairman, you know, hopefully we have a new attitude in the boardroom. We will see. Yeah. Yeah, f- yeah fingers crossed. I mean, this season is, 
um, very, I, I think most Stoke fans have given Ange a buy. Mm. Maybe not so much a buy, but they've, give, they've given him, they, they, we've all accepted that um, he needs a, he needs to bed himself in. He needs at least a year to sort him, to sort himself out and yeah. sort, sort the account and stuff. So I don't think, I mean, obviously like not winning the league is still going to be unacceptable. Sure. Um, but if we didn't particularly play to the way that we expect Celtic to play for an entire season, um, I don't think most Celtic fans would blame Ange for that. No, and um, I, yeah. I also I, think like, you know, based on like what I've looked at, like as far as like his tactics and how he wants to play, if he can get the the players to play his style of football, I think most Celtic supporters are going to be quite happy with, with what they see on the pitch. Yes, I think so. And we've been and um we've been talking about this as well off pod. Um but um the way that he's been setting out uh some of these preseason friendly games where he's, he wants really high pressure um high intensity games, that's exactly that's what we want to see. We want to see entertaining football. We want to watch um the Celtic way and stuff. So like, you, you know, that's, the, that's exactly what we expect as Celtic fans is that type of mentality, that type of intensity. So yeah, I think you're right. I think he might not have been the, our first choice as Celtic fans, but he's probably the one that we need right now. Agreed. Yeah. Um, did you manage to um, watch many of the preseason friendlies at all? Did I, I didn't see any of the Sheffield Wednesday match at all. I, I followed, um, I watched highlights after the fact. Um, I did catch like the second half of the Charlton one today. Um, well, today for me, I guess yesterday for you. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like I'm, I, I'm trying not to, uh, put too much stake in the preseason matches. I feel like, you know, we've got a lot, we don't know who our, our starting 11 is going to be yet. We've got a lot of Academy mm-hmm. players out there. So like judging too much from the preseason, I think is, uh, is a little, uh, uh, little preemptive preemptive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But from what I'm seeing so far, I'm not. I'm not unhappy with what what I'm seeing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm the exact same. I think what the biggest takeaway because we we all accept um, that this is all about fitness. It's all about getting March uh, match fit uh, match fit. Sorry, um, but yeah, w- what I quite like to see, um, which is what Andrew's been doing, is mixing what we would probably consider either res- reserves or the Colts maybe now for next season. Yeah. Um, mixing with what we would also think is the first team. So I think Andrew's really trying to assess the entire squad. I think he's just gone baseline. Who do we have and who can, who can we step up maybe, or who do we need to move on and replace? And I think that's really encouraging to see. There's a couple of players out there that like Moffat, I just, I, I think he could step right up to be honest. If we, if we I mean, Dembele managed to get a goal yeah. against Charlotte. I mean, fantastic to see. On he a personal level, I don't know away. why Dembele hasn't been playing on a, on a at least more consistent basis. Yeah. I mean, I like every time he touches the ball, he's, he's running circles around everyone. I understand he's, you know, his age and, you know, like he's going to get his time, but at the same time, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely one of the better players. I feel like on our squad, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know about his, his fitness. Maybe that's an issue, but, Hopefully we will see more of them this season. It's I a hundred percent agree, and it's really frustrating actually because I think most Soto fans feel 
fans feel that way. Um, I think I, I think probably the reason why he hasn't stepped up is because he's had um, he's had probably Paddy Roberts and Forrest in in front of him. Sure, and I think that's been his biggest problem. Um, but I mean, the guy's not the guy's not necessary. I mean, the, I think he's seventeen, maybe eighteen now, right? Yeah. So let's just argument's sake, he's played he's played most of his career on the right wing. He's still at the age where you could play him as a centre forward. You could play him anywhere in the front three. You can still mould him into that type of character, and and you could easily have him play twenty to twenty five games a season and still have Forrest as your number one winger. So, so I I just I, I think I think if 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 Ange doesn't step him up this season, we should just we should he for himself, but as Celtic we should try and get as much money as we can move him on because it's just it's a it's a waste of talent. Otherwise, the guy needs to you know play games regularly. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, thanks very much for coming on to the pod, Jeremy. Um, and thanks everybody for listening and um, please subscribe, please subscribe to, uh, Spotify or any of your streaming services. Um, we have all of the social media plugs. So, um, if you're on Instagram, it's at Celtic down. If you're on Twitter, it's also at Celtic down. Facebook is Celtic down under. If you are a, um, national of, um, somewhere outside of Scotland and Ireland, and you'd like to be interviewed on this series, please um, email downunderceltic at gmail.com um, and I'll get in touch and we'll try and organize something. Apart from that, um, yeah, thanks very much and hell, hell. Podcast Network.